Champaign, Illinois native Emily Harrington coming to you from Kitchen Table Studios in the ever-evolving, sometimes boring, flatlands of Champaign-Urbana for the next podcast episode of Hyperlocals, where townies and transplants share their tales of tears and triumphs, losses and wins, so stay tuned to catch the characters behind the beloved Twin Cities of CU. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Hyper Locals podcast. I have not a Harrington at Kitchen Table Studios, but a family member nonetheless. I have a Fitzgerald, and my husband recommended him, and I didn't even occur to me how impactful and amazing and neat and unique his story would be. So I asked my mother-in-law her opinion, and she said, yes, 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 and you'll have fun too was her response. So Andrew, my husband's mother is Marianne and her brother is Michael David Francis Fitzgerald. He told me his name. Now my mother-in-law got no middle names, but Mike has four. So it's pretty fascinating that um, Marianne got the short end of the stick with the name department. But He is such a great guy, and I have not seen him a lot because he hasn't been in the States permanently for a very long time, and now he's back. He's resettling his roots. He's redoing his home, and he's really getting back integrated into our community, which was like, what, five years ago you kind of came back into the fold? Okay, and he has three kids, and you'll see them around town, although Linda has flown the coop to Texas. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, and that's his baby girl. So, this is Mike Fitzgerald. Hi, Mike. How are you? Fine. How are you doing, Emily? Good. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thanks for the invite. Are you nervous, excited? How are you feeling? Well, my hands are sweating. They're underneath the table, (laughs) so I'm fine. Okay. I tried to tell him not to gesticulate his arms, and he's a little bit of a table pounder. So we're going to sit on our hands, and I think he's going to do a great job. But he has a really interesting story, and we're going to work our way through it because there's a lot. You are a true townie in every sense. That is correct. Grew up on Harvard Street, which is right by Franklin Middle School. Yes, and born in Mercy Hospital. Which is Urbana, is that right? That is correct. Okay, I think I was actually born at Mercy, maybe. But my best friend in middle school was Virginia Sinis, and she lived in that childhood home. So I spent a lot of time on Harvard Street and in the parking lot of Franklin, if you can believe that. So we did Holy Cross, Franklin, Central High School. Correct. What year did you graduate? 1971. Oh, my God. Were you a hippie? No. Flower power? We had a group called the Sykes. (laughs) And we had green t-shirts. Oh my gosh. And we had the peace symbol and we had an eyeball in the middle. Okay. At that time, we were against, they had the competitors. That was like kind of a drinking jock club. 
Drinking Jock Club. Competitors. Okay. And so we had the Sykes, and then we had the Wall Bangers. Oh, my gosh. So those were the little groups of guys in 1970, 71. Were you a cool kid? Athletic guy? Heartbreaker? No, I don't know. Athletic? Yes, I did. I uh, was a walk-on my senior year for tennis. I got my first letter at Central as a tennis player. I did not know that or expect that. Oh, either did I. But I was number six, and our coach was Jeff Trigger. Really? His first year as a tennis coach. I can. That is crazy. Can you still play tennis? I have not played tennis in a while. (laughs) (laughs) You should get back out there, Mike. It could be your retirement. Yeah. Okay. So from Central, what happens? Central, we move on to uh, Eastern Illinois University. Okay, and this is where things kind of get interesting, because I also did not know this. You majored in what, and why were you interested in this particular arena? I have a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Biology with a focus on uh, water chemistry. So in in Environmental Biology, you go terrestrial, which are your land animals, (laughs) or you go aquatic, or limnology, which is water creatures in water chemistry so that was my concentration why were you interested you picked from a list well because i like to fish and i thought yeah. water uh you know it's life so it seems to be more because of pollution and stuff like that we need to test more testing on groundwater and stuff like that so i thought it'd be more up my alley versus yeah. terrestrial you know so in the early 70s, was there a movement of environmentalism? Yes, there was. It was yes, kind of starting. Is yes. that okay? Yeah. Okay, so that's really kind of what sparked your interest. Mm-hmm. Okay. So culturally, everyone was starting to think about the damage being done. Well, you, are, you had your books, uh, The Greening of America. You had Malthusian Theory. You had all these of, you know, the world's going to be overpopulated. You oh, had, wow. You had India with their sterilization, and you had China with their one-child policy. So, I mean, you had population was the key. Okay. Yeah. Were your siblings or parents or anyone else in your family talking about this kind of stuff? No, not, not too much, I don't think. Okay. So, it was just kind of a personal interest. Personal interest, yeah, to keep, you know. Okay. And you graduate from EIU. Yes, I did. Yes. Okay. So, where do we go from EIU? EIU, we come back to Champaign, and we get a job, part-time working on research with the Department of uh, Conservation there at the U of I. Okay. Like graduate studies. Graduate studies, working for a couple of professors there on their little research project. Okay. And then I worked graveyard shift at Kraft Foods. And that's where you're making that dough. That's when I was making, oh, it was nice. It was <laughs> No <incredible>. responsibilities. <laughs> Just pay the rent. And, and you said the- you could go to Pia's. Pia's and we could cash our check. And they would cash her checks. I'm sure they still do that to this day. What a great business model for them. <laughs> it was. And so by 10 a.m. On a Friday payday, you are looking for a cab or somebody sober to drive you home. And that is so funny. Yeah. God help you if you cross paths with somebody who knew you or your parents. You're, wow. Because they're going to tell your mom. Yeah. You're trashed. <laughs> I just saw your son trashed at Kroger at 10 o'clock. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So are you dating or oh. just having fun? You know, I had heartbreaks. But anyway, uh, I was dating and just enjoying life. We're playing softball. Yeah. Did I have a steady girlfriend? No, not at that time, no. Heartbreaks. You were breaking. You were getting broken. Uh, I was engaged to get married. Yes. When I was at EIU, yes. Okay. That didn't pan. That did not pan out. 
she did me wrong and I said, keep your ring, baby. Okay. Um, and it all worked out. <laughs> I guess. I haven't seen her since. So. Okay. We'll have to Facebook her mic and see what she's up to. Okay. All right. So you bought a ring and she kept it. Yes. <sighs> Which I didn't know at the time, but I didn't want, you know. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's dirty, but okay. Okay. Because I guess the proper etiquette is for the girl to give it back. I right? would. Yeah. But okay. I guess that's, you know. All right. Well, her loss, you know, her loss, Mike. Okay. So we're having fun. We're going to Pia's on Friday morning. Mm -hmm. We're doing some... Playing softball at uh, Woodlands Park in the the summer. Yes. Okay. Continuing our studies. And where do we go from here? You got a interesting talk with some guys at Kraft and that kind of changed your life. They were electricians and they worked on the line and I was on third shift as a palletizer operator. So they would come and repair the machines. Hey, you know, you're young. You seem, you know, once they find out you're educated and you have a degree and now you're coming back to doing factory work, you know, what's it doing for you? You know, go out and see the world. Try to do something. Don't be stuck like us. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get off at 7 o'clock in the morning and they go right back to work at Chinook Air Force Base like 8 o'clock. So no life. Zero. Right. And they said, go see the world. Yeah. So, you know, I was thinking about that. And uh, and I was thinking, okay, well, I don't know what skills I have to offer. I don't think I will be a Catholic priest because that's not a good option. So I said, I I can still try to save the world, do do some good. So I said, oh, I remember my fifth grade uh, class, Mrs. Schooley at Holy Cross. Her daughter came back from Peru and gave a little spiel on the Peace Corps. So sure enough, I get a burr up my little bottom and I go over to YMC over in campus and I never knew that they were, you know, accept me, but sure enough, man. So they offered me five countries to go to if I wanted to join the Peace Corps. And simultaneously, Mm -hmm. your mom is dying from cancer. Yes. And you felt like this would also be an escape and you didn't want to watch. I did not like, well, want to watch my mom die before my hands, you know. Yeah. I was taking care of her, lifting her up off the couch and, you know, talking. She's not strong. And yeah. It was tough. So I asked her. And you asked her yeah. what? I asked for her blessing. If, you know, I go to the Peace Corps, is she okay with that? So and she said? Yes. Don't wait for me, Mickey. Just go ahead and go. Oh. So, so you signed those papers. Mm-hmm. And yes. you picked from one of five countries. Correct. What were the countries and what did you pick? I had Philippines, the Colombia. Uh, Gabon and Central African Republic and Zaire at that time. Okay. Out of all those programs, the one in Zaire was a new uh, program for fisheries, inland fisheries, that they were going to start up. That aligns with your interests. Yes. Okay. Your mom's still sick. You say mm-hmm. goodbye to everybody. I go to Auburn University for technical training two weeks. Two weeks. Yes. With what? What do you pack? Everything you got? Yes. You get, they give you a, a kit and everything. And then that is, that's oh the training gosh. called pre-departure. So they used to screen Peace Corps volunteers before you get on the plane. Okay. To see if you're not going to kill anybody or you saying who you are. Physical training in the morning, working out in the afternoon, going to your labs, going to your fish ponds, doing your work, mental work to say, okay, and if you found your bag yeah. in the morning, those who didn't make it today, the they found your bag outside your door. <gasps> so once you go through those stages, after two weeks, okay, then you get on the plane and off you go to your destination. And you are mentally and physically sound enough to move forward. <laughs> Little do they know, right? <laughs> 
Okay. Um, are you nervous or scared or anxious or excited? A little both. But the one thing I did learn is I have claustrophobia in a plane because oh my God. Because those are old planes. We're not in first class. I mean, they're long tubes, and now you're doing... We had 15 countries. You're just coming down the coast of Africa. Had you ever been in a plane before? No, I haven't been in a plane either, no. Okay, so this is your first time in a plane. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm picturing like a very open, like military-style plane. Is that right, or is it more commercial? It It was commercial, huh? Okay. TWA. Okay, okay. Now... Explain the Peace Corps, the mission, and what umbrella it falls under. The Peace Corps was established by John Kennedy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and 19, I should know this, but it's like 63 or 64 at Michigan. So pretty saying, new. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, yeah, it was like 14 or 15 okay. when I was there, yeah. I wasn't the first recruit, but it was new in other words. When Africa, well, most of the countries got their independence, it was in the 60s. Okay, so they had a real drain on, you know, human resources, trained doctors, trained teachers, trained engineers, uh, civil, you know, uh, carpenters, tradesmen. I mean, they had the trades, but they had no training schools. So there was a big input on saying, okay, Kennedy said, we can supply you guys with teachers. Hmm. So the first ones went, it was English, which was your, your traditional English speaking country. So you had India. Ghana. Mm. I'm trying to think of all the continents, you know. So you start out with English and then you get into the sciences. So for us, it was basically the country has to request volunteers. Wow, okay. And that is goes through diplomatic channels. So Peace Corps is what they call the black sheep of the Department of State. Okay. So you have an ordinary passport. Yes. Department of State, you have an official passport. And the higher-ups have a dip passport because trying to Kennedy did not want to be associated with the CIA, whatever. Sure. But in all fairness, they still think to this day that Peace Corps is part of CIA because it's hard for people <laughs> to figure out why you, a young American, yeah. are giving up everything that you have would come over here and live here. There's got to be something. And you're not just in the towns. You're out places that... They themselves don't want to go because they don't want to go send their teachers out there because there's nothing out there. But anyway, make a long story short, there's that little mystique about it that they'll never get rid of. I so. understand that, but mm-hmm. you have to be a special person to want to do this. Yeah, but you a can selfless leave. person, don't you think? Yeah, yes. It, yeah. Well, if you want to help, yes, selfless people. Yes. yes. Okay. Um, since then, you've gone on hundreds of airplanes. Do you still have claustrophobia? Yeah, nervousness on planes. Oh, yeah, I still get nervous. Even really? Morning, yes. And you've been on hundreds of flights at this yeah. point. And some of them you don't even want to get on. Helicopters, you name it. Yes. Uh, okay. All right. So tell me mm-hmm. about how long it takes from Auburn to Auburn to Zaire. To Zaire. So we left. You go to LaGuardia, and then now you just start up from Paris. Jeez. And now you're going down. So a lot of these African countries, when you arrive at the airport in those days, they come on the plane and check everybody's passport and walk down the aisles. Mm. So you're starting up all the way up to Algiers, and now you're just coming down, coming down, because they're dropping off all the passengers. And since you're from France, most of them are French-speaking. And so there you are with your little, you know, there's like eight of us in a plane and little uh, guys from the Midwest and all over, Peace Corps volunteers, and these big old military guys coming on there, you know. it's Scary, intimidating. 
you know, you're not going to say nothing because they're looking at you with like the kiss of death to say something, kid. Almost. <laughs> oh my gosh, that plane was full of Peace Corps volunteers. No, no. Just, oh, a mix. It's, it's just yes. Okay. What did your siblings say to you when you told them your plans? You're insane. Yes. <laughs> crazy oh i knew you'd do it i knew you'd do something crazy you just don't well there was a lot of other stuff they said but yeah they couldn't do it and best of luck but so okay yeah okay so not a lot of encouragement but good luck good luck i'm sure they just i think they thought that i do crazy stuff i did that all (laughs) my life so this is chalk another one up for mike making a okay bad decision i think i wonder if they would have ever expected it'd be your lifelong journey mm. oh probably not you no. know what i mean mm-hmm. okay so. all right so zaire mm-hmm. you step off step off what's yeah. it like i just remember stepping off it was hot oh jeez, and lively and the one thing i noticed was uh the lizards reminded me of squirrels in illinois wow because they wait when you try to watch them they're fire lizards. they're very bright but they won't let you look at them <laughs> like the squirrel you know when you look at a squirrel he kind of turns around the tree yeah the lizards there and just so large and a lot of them and a lot of them and climbing trees and just the smells and the environment because everything's on the street wow did you like it at first impression well it's intimidating because you really you don't know the language first of all so yeah. you're handicapped yeah and all you can say is you know come on or, you know, you're just making, like, baby talk. Oh, so. Mike. Okay. But anyway. Is it French? Explain the language situation. Oh, when you arrive in Kinshasa, it's French. But there in Kinshasa town, it's Lingala. So they're going to teach you how to, like, survival French. Sangonini, what's the news? Okay. Uh, yo, is that a malamu? How are you feeling? Okay. So they're going to teach you the basis, but that's yeah. only Kinshasa. Okay. So French... And the dialect of where you're at. Correct. It's called immersion. So there was eight of us. Okay. So we would take this house, the Harrington's house here uh-huh. on Prospect. Uh-huh. And we would have four teachers and all of us eight living together for 14 weeks. You do your, <laughs> and then you have your little piotes or what they call uh, pavilions is what I call them. Pavilions. Pavilions. They're round, like around, like they're, they're small little. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like you might see a band at a park. Yeah, gazebos. Gazebo. Yeah, we, okay, okay. okay like imagine and that's where your specific languages are. Wow. Because you're building a research state, so you're digging ponds, you're you're raising pigs, you're raising chickens, you're doing upland rice, you're doing vegetable gardens. Wow. Now you come back, and you do your language. Okay. And if you don't know the language, like if you didn't know water, sure, they're not going to pass it to you. So this is immersion, totally. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, some no schools English. are today. Like no Mandarin. English, no nothing. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And if you have a problem, because we're all males, no females at this time, uh, if you had an issue, you go out and wrestle on the soccer field. No way. Yes. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, talk about food and water. Okay. Is the water so, safe to drink? Yes, you just boil it, and then you filter. Okay, so not safe to drink out of the tap. They're not going to say... It's not safe to drink, but they're going to say, you as a Peace Corps volunteer, you don't want to get sick out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, my gosh. Okay, what's so, the food like? Who's cooking? You're basically eating a, I would say, like a cross between, just corn is seasonal. So it's corn flour made into like a dough. Okay. 
like a cake dough. Okay. Okay, like a rice. It could be rice. Their rice is almost like a dessert. They eat what they call fufu. Sounds good. It's good for you, but in a bad way. I think I forget <laughs> it's cholesterol. I forget which one it is. Okay. It's bad cholesterol. But anyway, but the vegetables, you got to get used to eating fish. You got to get used to eating uh, grass cutters, which is like a big old, where we have hedgehog. You got to get used to eating bush rat, which is <laughs> rat. You I lost mean, me at bush rat, I think. And fish, because they like fish. So Pretty healthy diet? Yes. Okay. All right, so the food Plenty was food. not an issue. The only spices that you have oh, wow. are hot pepper, so that you don't, you don't really... <laughs> and onions are seasonal. Do you like spicy food? Now I do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you eat a lot of oatmeal, you eat a lot of eggs. Okay. But they're, an egg is a chicken to them, so they only give it to visitors. Oh, it's special. Yes. Wow, regarded. Yes. Wow. Okay. Not a lot of beef. Only maybe once a month or once when you got to go to the, where they're butchering. Okay. At the slaughterhouse in the village or whatever. Yes. I know your family is, Mm -hmm. meaning the Fitzgerald family, was Catholic. Mm -hmm. We're Catholic. uh Uh-huh. Are you still continuing and did your religion continue through this experience? Oh, yes. I'm still... uh, Catholic, yes. I'm a member of Holy Cross Parish. Okay. Uh, and So that never married. wavered during that time? No, no. Because I, I was working for the Catholic Diocese was uh, who sponsored me and my, another volunteer as far as uh, a bed, a table, a chair, and they provided fuel for the motorcycle that we, we used for uh, outreach. When you say they sponsored you, meaning mm-hmm. you reached out for funding or... When Peace Corps goes into a country, you have the Ministry of Education. And uh, for us, it was the Ministry of Agriculture under a World Bank grant. Okay. That they are going to focus on agriculture and women, uh, family households, how to increase because they're recovering from civil war. Sheesh. Okay. So they had malnutrition stuff. You're plugged into the system. And it was basically, I was working with rice which is called wetland, upland rice. Okay. So I got in trouble with that because I could get my farmers a better price from the local commerce on. In other words, they would give you the seeds. Yeah. I would help them plant, show them, you know, new wow. techniques for spacing. And then they would send their trucks down to buy up the rice. Okay. My first year went nice. Second year, I'm saying, hey, man, these guys are really not haven't raised the prices. But Cambodia over here in Kandal and the other commerce on Genzi, he's raised the price. Why don't you guys? Mm. So I was telling my farmers, go sell it to them. So they got mad at me because they'd send the truck down and they, he would come back wow. half empty. Wow, okay. So they found out about that. So I had little clashes every now and again because I was lobbying for the farmers. Right. So you, they thought you overstepped. Yes, I, I didn't. So I said, well, why don't you guys increase... I wasn't a true agent for them, I guess. Sure, okay. Anyway. How were you able to communicate with home? No cell letters, phones? Letters. So no my computer. first letter from home was six months after I was in, in Zaire, in Gashi. And it was the Peace Corps medical officer. Uh-huh. Drove about 850 kilometers to my house, showed me the letter, sat me down. I had to write a return letter, and she had to go back with that letter. <sighs> what did the letter say? 
that was from uh, my mom already died. Oh, was this the first time you hear that your mom died? No, no. When my mom died, I was in training. Okay. And then they flew me back, but it took me two days to get to Kinshasa to get the plane because they don't have a road, so you have to go through ferry crossings. Not like the Tooth Fairy. These are <laughs> river <F-E-R-R-Y>. ferries. <laughs> okay. These are cable ferries, so it's it's not motorized. They're cable box. Okay. And so they have a cable going across the river. You know, they only work from sun up to sundown. They're not twenty four hours. Were you able to make it to her funeral and services and no, all no, that? No, no, it was already. She's already buried, and yeah. Uh-uh. So you, by the time you were communicated to that she had passed. Mm-hmm. And you were able to get back home. It took me eight days to get oh, to champagne. Oh, my God, Mike. Okay. Yeah. So you were just paying your respects, saying hi to your family, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and getting back then. And then, getting, and then going back, huh? Okay. Medical treatment. Mm-hmm. Let's say you got sick while yes. you were in Zaire. Mm-hmm. The biggest fear was getting sick, it seems Correct. like. Yes. Because it's just very minimal health care. Any care? Well, what they do is, Peace Corps, they give you a, a medical kit, which you sign out for. And then they give you a book. It's oh, called, my uh, gosh. It's called Where There Is No Doctor. And we have it to this day. A lot of this stuff is it's straightforward. All our kids, they grew up with it. Common sense stuff. The stuff that you don't know about is, it's because you're living in the village. There's... And in Africa, they have African bugs that you don't know about. Oh, my god! So, like, if you don't iron your clothes, you'll get bot flies. They have the little larva. Uh-uh. When no, you thank hang you. out your sheets. Nope. And nope. then it's growing. And then you have the little chiggers that come and lay eggs in your toenails. Mike. That's if you're walking in the, in the villages where they have pigs and stuff like that. So, you're always conscious of, which was great, is you can take a bath. Because I live right near... <laughs> a stream and you just clean 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 scrub in the stream yeah in the stream huh are you sure the stream was clean oh it's pretty clean i'm pretty sure okay you go in there with a bar of soap (laughs) yeah and i did go in there and dig a hole so i can dive off oh my god and then the ladies came and said oh we like this okay you have to move so i i went further downstream and did my i did another hole are you guys in um are you nude Oh, when I'm doing it, yeah. All the girls like to flash at the ladies, the mamas, because they're coming up in your villages. Everybody goes out in the morning. Okay. Okay. To clean, to get to clean. To go to the fields. Okay. And they're taking laundry down there maybe every two or three days, but everybody goes down there to clean and to store. The women, they're gathering water for tea and for the day. So that's really a social setting for them. Okay. They get away from their husbands. They do all that. So they go down to the stream. They do the laundry and stuff like that. Baby. And then come back up around 8 or 9 o'clock. Feed everybody. And then they're going out to the fields all day to like late afternoon. To work. Mm-hmm. But for us, for me and my job, I'd get up real early because I either had to walk across, you know, 10 kilometers or whatever. And then come back. Now you back, know I'm we're like, in miles here. Oh, okay. So it would be like 8 miles oh my gosh to the forest and i had a guide who was given to me by the chief okay yes so he would come with you yes that was one of the rules of the of the tribe where i was okay and you tried to beat these women to the stream kind of no no it, it was like they'd like to antagonize me because they like to you know tease you like a like yeah. a white guy <laughs> i dig a hole uh-huh 
so I can like sit down and have the water up here. So I dug out these holes and they I like said, a bathtub oh. in the stream. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! And so they all thank you very much and they just laugh and they thought that this was pretty funny. And I laughed too, but yeah, it was it was cool. So yeah. Okay. Well, a woman does come in your life. Yes, Mrs. Fitzgerald. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me about meeting her. Uh, we met when I got there. Uh, I got there in my village in 77, around October, November. She was there, and she was like to have teachers at a girls' social center, or like a girls' finishing school, what uh-huh. we call it. They teach girls life skills, sewing, how to take care of babies, how to huh. do nutritious foods, agriculture techniques, small animal husbandry, just a real round of uh, accounting skills. Wow. Uh, Sounds great. And so she was the person, well, the, the big boss mistress is what they call them, French. Uh, and so they were part of this uh, diocesan project. And I was, because I was in the ag and fish sector, had it help these girls build fish ponds, which is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we met. You have a group of young women. Oh, there's like 24 of them, and they're in the mud up to their knees, and there she is on the hilltop ordering these girls, hey, move this mud over here. Where are you going with that? Get over here, and stuff like that. So, Oh, my gosh. And so every Sunday... I gave it whoever was cooking for me, and basically it was just bread and then oatmeal, very basic stuff. I gave them the day off, and so the girls would come over and present me with dinner. So it's usually fufu and uh, some soy sauce and like uh, some eggs or whatever, and a little bit of meat sauce. And in the village, since you're you're not married. They have to have a chaperone, so we wow. would, and you have to be in the presence of everybody. So we would sit out in front of everybody with three chairs, and I would eat my meal and talk with those guys, and we just talk. You and the women. Me and Stephanie and her Claudine was just there as an escort, but we just make small talk, you know, just like dating. Get, not really, it's not really a date to bring me food on a Sunday. So this slowly every Sunday, every Sunday, yeah. And we'd see, I see her in church because we had mass. And then so you know she's a nice Catholic girl. Nice Catholic girl, pretty good looking. She's real <laughs> small. She had really long hair, and she's like teasing you. Okay, cool, 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 whatever. And uh, flirting. Well, they all do because you know they one they think I'm a brother because I'm attached to the Catholic mission. Oh, um, a priest. Uh, yeah, uh, a religious priest. They okay. Go, no, no, my name is Mich- is Mike. It's not no brother Mike. Get me out of here, you guys. <laughs> Okay, so they think you're a clergyman. Yes. Okay. And then you say no, and but they think because you're different, you're unique, yeah, that I makes you attractive. Yeah. I, I live off the mission compound yeah. at my own house. Uh, when I played uh, football or soccer here in America, <laughs> uh, I would be the goalie because when we played skins and shirts, uh-huh. I couldn't tell who was on my team half the time, and I'd make my team upset, so they just stick me in the goal. And oh, it was, my God. I mean, we would have people because they would love to score goals on the white man. (laughs) Right. Sure, sure. Okay, so you're seeing Stephanie every Sunday. Pretty much, yes. Under a chaperoned, pretty like sterile environment. So how does it kind of... Move into like romance. I mean, because you're you're talking. Then we had like a New Year's party. Uh, They did like a skit at school. You know how they have Christmas plays? Yeah, sure, sure. After that, they have like a... 
it's almost like a New Year's thing. But anyway, we'd have dancing and stuff kicking the New Year's. And so we're dancing and everything. One thing led to another. Because I always thought she had a boyfriend there who was a fellow teacher. Okay. So one night I did, you know, it was a full moon or whatever, and I was out <laughs> hunting. So I peeked in there, and I thought it was her boyfriend and her, you know, talking in, in their room or whatever. Well, come to find out it wasn't. Okay. So that's when she thought that, okay, now I know he's interested in me. Anyway. She knew you peeked in there. No, no. She knew that I was asking around who was Stephanie with in the room. I saw wow. her. And I go, well, how did you know that? Okay. 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 So anyway. And so how does it become a chaperone environment to the intention to marry? Like, how does that traditionally oh, does that work? Well, talking... Over, it's kind of like dating. After so many months, you just feel comfortable with that person. You're opening up more and more. How's your day? And then when you, I used to go to the capital every or the regional capital every three months. And okay, uh, I'll buy you some soap. You need some soap. Uh-huh. So you buy a little thing like here, back and forth. And then okay, I'm going to get you one some cloth. Oh, you want me to drop something off? Because your mother lived in Kikwit, okay, that was the regional capital. So I would communicate. With her mother, then I met her sister. Wow! So slowly, rope. I'm, you know, back infiltrating and forth, the family. Back and forth, back and forth. Yes. So, do you ever able to have a private conversation, or is Claudine always in the Claudine. background? Well, the villagers know too. Okay, okay, okay. But they still come over, and then I could go over there. But before I did that, the, the first step is called palm wine of the day. Wow! Malafia, yeah, yeah, doing it. So that means you have to. Express your interest. Your intentions. To the family. Wow. Okay, so, so you told her mom. Well, it's her uncle's because it's, it's different. It's patriarchal. So Wow. There's three steps. So you have palm wine of the day, which is okay. Now Claudine doesn't have to come over <laughs> on the Sunday anymore. Three or four months later, you go palm wine of of the night wow now you pay that's a bigger event now she's getting her uncles because they're going to tell you where she is from because you have to go to the village for the marriage wow mike okay and the third thing third thing is the actual wedding and or dote it's the dowry palaba she has to give you a dowry i give the family a dowry okay can you tell me what that was I have it in my here at the Busey Bank in my safe deposit box. No, it's stuff like oh I want gosh. I want fifty dollars for every insult Stephanie did to me. I'm her uncle. You're lying. No, I kid you not. And then you have blankets, Coleman lamps, buckets, and then I want uh, fifty mbala. That's their old money. Okay. Which was, and luckily I had five. Oh. So, so, and then I want a Mercedes truck, and then I want a tractor. So in all of this discussion, you have to realize is you as the groom have no voice. So you have to come with your party. So I had to bring my uncles who are going to speak on my behalf. Okay. So this starts on a Friday. Oh, my gosh. Friday is it's the party. The, the villages is, okay, we're having a, a wedding at Palabla. And so... They wine and dine you, treat you like a, a king, man. I kid you not. Cause, and so then Saturday it starts. So I'm sitting in a chair getting snockered on palm wine with the Paramount chief to my right. And I have all these supplies because my uncles, you start off 
they want cola nuts, they want cases of beer, they want whiskey, and you're just, you can't say nothing. Wow. So it starts. So you go, 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 go. It was almost to like 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> How drunk are you by 11? <laughs> oh, I mean, we got, it didn't matter. I said, when they said a truck, they wanted a big truck. I, it was crushing. I said, there's no way these guys, that's crazy. But it was a test. Wow. So then Stephanie's mom stood up and then Stephanie stood up to him and said, hey, you guys, you're like selling us. This is crazy. No. Really? Yeah. I wonder if that was unheard of. It's normal. That's okay. what they do. But for her to step up and say, oh, they were just—it was getting old. I mean, and people were getting tired, and they went, you know, they, it's a celebration. Yeah. And Peace Corps volunteers were there too because they brought in chickens. Some of the, yeah, to see it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That is really neat. And you just kind of learned the steps by observing. No, I learned the steps because I had my uncles who were from various. My farmer, one was my farmer, fish farmer. Another one was a. Croix Rouge dad who was there so they told me what to buy wow. so it took you almost literally a couple of months to stock yeah on my salary was 125 dollars a month at that time wow <laughs> so anyway so you had to save up and then you present it is a ring a thing we had a ring when we got married at church it was the uh ivory rings but i think we don't have them anymore really yeah i wonder if they broke probably or we lost them somewhere we Ugh. got regular ones but anyway yes okay so so that's the marriage of the village. In order to get married by the government in Zaire and the U.S. government, you have to have, you know, village certificate. Mm. So then we got married in the church and we got married in the government. The U.S. Embassy had to send a representative from Kinshasa to the town to be present at the wedding. Okay. To justify, because I was a volunteer. So. Okay. It's <laughs> official. You're officially married. Yes. Does she take your name? Is that a thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, so it's Stephanie Fitzgerald now. and no, you Stephanie Andumu Fitzgerald. And is that her middle name or her maiden name, Andumu? It's her, I would say her middle name. Okay, okay. Okay, so how long do we stay in Zaire as a married couple? Approximately 10 years. So okay. I went from volunteer. Uh-huh. Then I worked on a cattle ranch for a Belgian guy for like a year. Okay. Mr. Mastrio. Then I worked for Oxfam UK. Okay. In Bazaire, which is another part of Zaire. So that was six, seven, and three, ten, yes. Okay. And when do we have our first babes? The first baby is little bundle of joy <laughs> Benjamin. His nickname is Masashi, which okay. means gunpowder because when he was born he came out screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and he woke up the whole ward. Yes. He was born in uh, 1980. Okay. In Zaire? In Zaire. Kikwit Hospital. Tell me about birth, pregnancy. How's it different than here? Okay. Different? Yes. There you meet your doctor once a month, like you guys do here, and you have your little growth chart. Chemin de bon santé. Uh-huh. You measure the belly and everything sure. like that. Uh-huh. But for giving birth, yeah, all the children were born C-section. Okay, I never will forget. I'm holding it's ether, so oh geez, put Steph to sleep by the doc, and I'm pouring ether over a cotton swab to put her to sleep. No way. Yes. So you're hospital. Yes, you're controlling the anesthesia. We're watching. Yes, and watching it, and and there's the nuns, and there's the doc, and his assistant. And we're there, okay. Uh-huh. And he's coming out blue. 
Because he's asleep. Well, oxygen, whatever, ether, whatever. So I dropped everything, and because Doc, he told me, on cigarettes, told me, okay, you go with sister something, and you watch the baby. They're going to wake him up. So when Ben was born, he comes out. When we woke him up, he was screaming. That's what happened. <laughs> and so I left Stephanie then. Uh-huh. C-section. And then they didn't sew her up. They did on the inside, but then they put these huge pincers. Okay, like staples? No, but they looked like a clamp, like a claw of a of a lobster, <sighs> but stainless steel, like pinching to seal her up. That's no good. Because they cut all her stomach muscles, so you had to really. Uh, she, it takes a long time to heal come to up. Us, yeah. So pretty rudimentary. Very yes. Um, very clean hospital, but very rudimentary. The old the old way, yes. Okay. And in quick succession, or about every few years, you have two more kids. And Michael Paul, 15, well, I think they're 15 months later, he gets born in the same hospital. Oh, same doctor. Same situation. <laughs> same situation. Have we upgraded from ether? <laughs> no. Oh, no. So you're still putting Stephanie to sleep the same way? They're still putting This time they had a, a new anesthesiologist who, would, who had a, a different type of ether or oh, whatever. Oh, and then Linda was in Bazaire when I was with Oxfam. That okay. was a Canadian doctor, and it was a missionary hospital, and they had everything just like America. Okay, okay, so that was a different experience. Yes. Okay. Tell me a little bit about where we go from Zaire, and now you're toting three kids. Because mm-hmm. this is where I get a little bit hairy okay. um, in terms of New Zealand and the kids' education. Okay. So, 77, we come back here. Rented a house on Sangam and Drive, there by Centennial. So what did Stephanie think? Was it hard for her? I mean, this had to be incredibly difficult. Uh, it was a little tough on her in the beginning because I think the family didn't know what to do with her. Oh, your family. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she still has a thick accent, so there's a little mm. bit of a language barrier too, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, and now it she's got... Little, it takes a little while for them to get used to her accent. And, yeah. And, but she won them over, I think. Yes. Yeah. She's they, a very pleasant, lovely yeah. woman. For them, it was hard to communicate. They wanted to tell her all about me and they couldn't, you know, they were a little bit intimidated, especially my aunts. Okay. All the ones, yes. Sure. Okay. It took a long time. Yeah. And now you have three babies with you meeting mm-hmm. the family for the first time too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what do we do here? Uh, here we enrolled at the uh, University of Illinois. For graduate school. For graduate school. Okay. Ag extension education. And are you still, quote, in the Peace Corps? No. Okay. I left Peace Corps after Benjamin was born. Okay. I worked on Mastrio, and then I was with Oxfam. And Catholic Relief Services was in there, too, somewhere. Okay, so you kind of retired? No, no, I was on their own. Okay. Peace Corps is not a career. You can only do, like, a couple years as a volunteer. Got it. I went back when the Peace Corps as a staff person. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, as a regional security officer, that was staff. Uh, I was no longer a volunteer. I advised volunteers and and country directors. You got promoted. Yeah. Okay. So during graduate school, Mm -hmm. you want to get higher education. Higher education. I worked for the city of Champaign. What? What did you do for them? I worked in public works. I collected quarters in the morning on the parking. No way. And I mowed the grass on the parking lots and at the police station and went to grad school. So did this feel like a step down for you? No. You were fine with it? I'm fine just trying to get my kids acclimated. They went to 
They started off at uh, what was the Magnet School? Franklin. Uh uh-uh. uh. In Urbana, uh, Martin Luther. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And so I got called out. I was in class at international programs, <laughs> and the boys are crying, and I had to go down there because luckily there was a teacher who was from Zaire and she knew French. But the boys, I had to tell them that if you guys don't go to school, yeah, they're going to put daddy in jail. <laughs> so <laughs> so they were so traumatized by that. Yeah. Oh, were they speaking good English? No, they didn't know. They didn't know English very oh, much at all. So because we're speaking French and and Kikongo and all mostly. Really? Yeah. So this was a big change for them too. Mm-hmm. Okay, and where's Linda at? Linda was pre-K preschool. No, she's going taking the bus because Steph was taking adult education in Urbana and down on. Uh, it used to be old Gregory School. That was a that was the adult education. Okay before they moved to Urbana. But anyway, Linda was going on a scholarship from the First Methodist Church there across from Westside yeah, Park. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, so she was in like an MMO preschool program. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Stephanie and her take the bus. I get on my back, I go to school. <laughs> so cute. That is so cute. Yes. Okay, so you're trying to get the kids through school in the mm-hmm. U.S. Correct. Okay. Started off, yes. And how far do we get here? We got there to maybe year two when uh-huh. I got a call from Peace Corps, Washington, Uh, to say they're starting up a new program in Chad, and would I be interested? And were you interested? I was interested in Chad and the program, yeah, another new program reentry. So I asked my prof, Bert Swanson, over there at uh, U of I, okay, Mike, I'll give you five years sabbatical. I said, because he was a former volunteer way back when, Okay, so he understood. So he understood the five-year rule. You go in. You can't go more than five years and gotta get out. When so. you were here, did you feel bored, like you were missing something, or you were oh. just so busy with the kids? Do you know what I mean? You go yeah. from this wild, adventurous life to the more mundane. Well, not necessarily mundane because each day was—I mean—was was interesting. And Stephanie had and the, and the kids they get caught up in this in the uh, um, American scene, like you have yeah. Halloween, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, St. Valentine's Day, yeah, all these things. They have all these events, activities. Yeah. And so I think that's, for me, in all of this, that was really hard on them because I did not have enough time oh. to see a lot of the events that they were doing because I was, you know, working yeah. and or doing something all the time. So when the Chad call comes, mm-hmm. you accept? Yes. And do you just go back? No, no, we all you we, all we all load up and they continue their schooling over there in uh Jemena. did they get to finish out that school year they finished that school year and then we stayed there for an, another year and then we went across to cameroon so i did my five years in cameroon there they attended an american school okay so and then we came back then you came back to the states there was my five years yes that's 94 and then started finishing up my grad school. And, oh my they're, and they're going to, Linda, I think it's Holy Cross, and the boys are Central. So the boys are going from that to Central High School. Yes. And how do they acclimate to high school at Central? I mean, I just can't even imagine. I think they were popular, cool boys. So they must have fit right in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I think so, yeah. One thing that's, that they've learned, they're very tight as a group, those three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've thrown them in 
yeah. situations sure. where you got to adapt, sink or swim. Yeah. It's what you make it. You yeah. Know? They have a good attitude about life. I they think. do. They're all very positive and happy kids. So they did just fine at Central. Well, I think so. Huh? Yeah. Okay. But and they never finished. See, that's what hurts. That's also as a parent. Oh, know, sure. Because they didn't graduate, they didn't go to the, you know, graduate from high school yeah. with their buddies and prom and all those memories that I had, you know, they didn't have. Because so, why? Why didn't they? Because, you know, now they're in New Zealand, so they graduated from, and everybody here thinks it's always oh, really cool. Nelson College for boys. Yeah, you got it. You got it. But in their heart, I know they had, because they still have really close friends here in Champaign. Yeah, they do. So what happens in New Zealand? What is they're in a Nelson school for boys. That was, yes. And Linda was in Nelson school for girls. And that's a typical situation, like a boarding school situation. That is uh, the British and the Australian. Well, I would say that area of the world, a lot of kids go to boarding schools. I don't know why. Is that overnight? No, that's the whole school term. Okay. And you stay there. You live yeah, there. Uh-huh. You sleep there. You're only coming home maybe three times a year. So like a college setting. Yes. And the reason why is because I'm in Solomon Islands okay. with the Peace Corps. Okay. And there's no school. So all the islanders go there. Go to New Zealand. So for us to get rid of or uh, leave Champagne to go to Solomon Islands, sat down with the kids. Oh my gosh. And I said, okay, you guys, since I'm dragging you across the way, I'll let you have the choice on which school. Okay. In New Zealand. Either go to the South Island, which is Whangarei, or North Island, which is Nelson. And that's what they chose. And they chose the part. The first one was Whangarei. And about three months later, I'm in in Honiara, Solomon Islands, and they called me up. And they said, Dad, this school is a joke. Get us out of here. I said, you guys got to finish the term. Oh. You chose it. Yeah. So you made them finish the term. Yeah. And then they transferred. Then they transferred. And so... Is that a high school situation? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they graduated high school, high school there? Yep. So when you say you have regrets, you just have regrets they didn't graduate in a U.S. setting. Yeah. For me as a, as a father, I think I think that probably upsets them a little bit. You, oh. know what I, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But you gave them like so much life experience. But you never know if, you know. Anyway, that's one of the things. Yeah, you think about. You, you, I mean, it's... As a parent, you, you're never going to be able to see all of their events and activities. Sure. But you have some stability during those, you know, I would say formative, adolescent years. Young yeah, adolescent yeah. Adolescent years. Yeah. So. Okay, anyway. so how do we finish off? When do the kids come here more to... Mm, or to, to put in... Uh, yeah. Put in roots. So yeah. after Solomon Islands, and they graduated from Nelson College, uh, the boys came here. Paul went to... Florida for graphic design and that's where he met his wife uh, Felicia Ben was here took some classes at PU sure and I think that's when he started working into the uh, restaurant business I think and now's a tradesman and now he is yeah he's uh, the union man yeah with uh, UA 149 team fitters <laughs> and plumbers <laughs> and Linda is in Texas Linda is in Texas with her husband Joe and they have two children how many grandkids do you have now i have six you have six any more you think well they say no but you never know (laughs) one can hope right yes tell me the languages 
everyone speaks. Oh, in the, in the Fitzgerald household, on a typical Sunday afternoon, <laughs> you would have to speak, in, in, in all our discussions, probably like three languages constantly in the house. It's French, English, and Kikongo. Okay. And now, Kikongo is? Is Zaire language. It's, it's Bakongo, Kikongo. Mm-hmm. And all three kids know all of those. All they hear, they know the for Kikongo the best is probably Ben. Huh. French, it, the best is probably Michael Paul. Okay. Kikongo is a little weak. <laughs> Linda likes, she yells Kikongo, but she does, and her French is good. She likes to yell. She likes to play Kikongo. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Yes. And what's Stephanie think about her remaining chapter? You know, being here in Champagne. Oh, it's you know. I think she she wants to go home at least one time to see the family and stuff. She's lost her mother here and her brother this past year. While she was here. Yeah, and so that's a big thing for them. It's hard. Was she able to go back? Oh, she saw her mother uh, when we lived in Togo. Okay. The last time she saw her mom was probably about two years ago, maybe. Okay. Do you think you'll make like an annual trip out of going Uh, back? Yeah, I'd like to go back, you know, every couple of years but i also will also like to visit where we lived for a long time was in togo too okay Lome, togo which is nice west africa that's a nice place to put in roots and stuff how long is the trip to get back to togo normally the flights leave like on a friday and you arrive saturday night via paris okay and my mother-in-law mm-hmm. and your brother mm-hmm. went to visit what was it like having them in your environment in africa uh, it was uh, very interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, I gave, I gave them the, they had the, the like the VIP treatment so that they didn't have to go through formalities. Very nice. Uh, I think they arrived the Thursday night because Mary. I forgot to tell Marianne Friday morning. I have Marianne knocking on my door probably about six thirty or something. She her eyes are big. I don't know if she told you the story, but she said, "Oh, I hear gunshots. I hear gunshots." I go, oh, man, Marianne, I'm sorry. I forgot. It's Friday, and in Ghana, it's burial day. So they're shooting off to scare off the spirits because somebody's being buried. Wow. Because where we lived in Lome, that's the only capital in Africa that's housed on a border. So right like from here to maybe your clubhouse where I lived is another country, is Ghana. Oh, my gosh. So... Marianne is all scared because she hears guns and she's hearing about Africa because I think she's a scaredy cat at heart. Uh, they like the food. I gave them a, a tourist. Sure. You gave them tour. the best experience yes. you could. I asked you this before we started recording about mm-hmm. getting hurt or political unrest mm-hmm. or anything. And, and you said you really never felt scared. You got hurt a couple of times in... <laughs> Um, motorcycle or biking accidents. But yes. other than that, you were yeah. relatively safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Is that just because of your tough personality? A lot of it is the people. The more friends you have, the more information they can relate to you. And that's what Peace Corps has a very interesting reputation. They always informed you of an impending danger two wow. or three days before. Okay. It's really amazing to see Americans don't see the the other side of the of how people really respect human life. I mean, yeah. they'll tell you if trouble's coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. And here we hide it. 
no, here we, where's my, where's my phone? I want to get this oh, on video. Oh, get a picture. Instead of intervening. Yeah, that's true. We want to watch the train wreck. Yeah. No, we're, or the old, like, what is it, gawking? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which is sad. But there, they take an active thing. They know, they know what's going on. Now, it was rumored when you mm-hmm. got back mm-hmm. and you were settling into this retirement life that you were going to be a clock technician. This is how Scott do this. If I won the lottery, I would do this. I wanted to go to school at Gem City College in Quincy. Okay. Is this G-E-M? Gem? Gem, huh? Like a Like stone. a gem. Okay, got it. And they have a school. It's one of the, oh, there's only like two or three in America. Okay, never heard of this. Okay. This is how you repair watches. Wow. Uh, clocks. Uh, Anything time pieces. Mm-hmm. I met an interesting guy when I was in uh, Praia in Cabo Verde. He was a retired guy, former ambassador, and he would go around to all the islands uh-huh. and repair the town hall clocks. That is so cool. That is so and neat. so I started, well, I don't know, I must have like 25 pocket watches that I've tried to teach myself how to repair. That is neat. And so I went online and I found out that this college exists. When I was home on leave one time, Pat was here, I Took my brother. We drove up to Gem City College. They gave me a little tour, and it's you know it's very intense, like a year and a half. And you be you should know how to repair a clock, okay, or a watch so or anything. If this happens, yes. you come back on the podcast, and we'll talk about clocks. Okay. <laughs> okay. If I if I succeed, yes, ma'am. Okay. I have to go get my kids. Okay. And I think I have covered everything I need to cover. Okay. What well, do you think? Very, I have plenty more stories whenever, you, <laughs> whenever you're bored. Okay. But this was very interesting and you were a great interview. It. So thank you so much. Do you feel sad, happy, exhausted after this? No, I feel happy. It's, it's a reflection on what yeah. I've done. So you never think about yourself and what you've done. So It's amazing, yeah. Mike. There's a lot more to you than I thought. And you are a good guy. You have a good heart. You really do. I'm sure your family is so proud of you. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. However your podcast host of choice allows, please positively rate, review, comment, and give all the stars. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, share, and ring that notification bell so you know when the next episode drops. Also, search and follow HyperLocalCU on all social media. If I forgot anything or you need me, visit my website at HyperLocalCU.com. Bye!